0: Visit RedBarnInc.com coupon to save a dollar off your first can. Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There, you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense.
2: Hello, this is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman here with Technology Expresso. We've got an afternoon edition. And some of you might note we're a little bit off schedule, but this is going to be a pre recorded version and we're going to rebroadcast next week. And then we'll pick up on our regular every two week cadence. But hey, a back to back dose of Coop and Jacqueline. Who wouldn't want that, right, Coop?
3: But hey, man, uh, doesn't get any better. Let's do it.
2: Exactly, exactly. So as all of you, or some of you may know, I should say, uh, we've had, this is our 10th episode, so we thank you for joining and staying plugged in and continuing to communicate with us around questions that have to do with, the. originally, we since Coop and I are both business analysts in the IT field and, and have many years of that, as well as, we now do a lot of training and coaching and, and Coop, the president of B2T training um, helps organizations find solutions to help their business analysts become trained and um, develop their skill sets. We get a lot of questions. And so we kind of gathered those questions. We still taking questions. So you can either email us or tweet with us. We're going to be online. And uh, Javon, is in the background working uh, Twitter, so she'll be posting what we're talking about today, and you can also respond back to her at TechExpresso 247 uh, actively throughout the next 90 minutes, and she'll put your question in the queue as well. So that is it's all meant to answer frequently asked questions as well as those questions that pop up in your mind as we're talking today. And what we've done over the 10 episodes, each of them kind of have a standalone topic. And today, we've kind of circled ourselves around to one of the um, important aspects of what business analysts do, and it has to do with thinking, not just doing. So I'm just going to first say and ask Coop, when we talked about the the topic for today's uh, episode, thinking and not just doing, what, what came to your mind?
3: Yeah, I think what comes to mind, I think is the challenge in the BA space in general. Um, I think it's just kind of, uh, a misperception of what business analysis is and that it is, you know, gets focused around like deliverables and different techniques that are out there. Um, so are kind of a means to the end. They're not the end. The end is being able to, to take that information that goes into these different techniques and think about what the the real problem is or what are we trying to go after? Or what's the best approach? Um, so it's, you know, I, I think people forget about for whatever reason, uh, a number of reasons, but they forget that business analysis is really about analysis, right? Doing that and analysis is thinking. It's not just constantly um, just writing stuff down and formatting and put it in templates and, and putting it in techniques. It's actually the thought process that goes into this, and you can use these different things to to do a better job at thinking.
2: Absolutely. absolutely. And, and there was one,
3: you know, the, the thing, and you and I, Jacqueline, have done that presentation around organized thinking and, or organizing your thinking processes, and it brings me down back to that Uh, One of the slides that we pull up is a picture of Abraham Lincoln, and there's a quote that says, don't believe everything you read on the Internet just because there's a picture with a quote next to it, signed Abraham Lincoln. Well, you know, I mean people might look at that. Oh, yeah, that's a good quote by Abraham Lincoln and not think that – wait a minute, time out. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln – the Internet was not around uh, when Abraham Lincoln was alive. So it's – it's not good just to, to read stuff, look at stuff. You have to actually think and use, you know, um, thought processes and uh, to discern what you're seeing and, and what you're hearing.
2: Great point. Great point. And, and you know, at, and even as you were talking, that's so important because we do, we get so busy and so our day job and day we're moving job. so fast. And so sometimes, good. Good. sometimes people have that people have image that. and perception that, If we're really, really busy and moving really fast, or if I see people just running around like crazy, we must be making progress. We must be doing the right thing, (laughs) you know. And and the one thing is, is that you're just in this automated mode. I've been in environments where when you stepped in the door, it felt like you were going into combat. And so you were running and, and responding, and then you're checking emails, and you're reacting to that so many things just got on autopilot and you really have to say, how much time out of that day did you really get to take a deep breath, sit back and think, you know? Um Yeah. And 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 so it sounds so obvious but at the same time it it's worth us taking a pause and people taking a pause, whether they're listening to the show, you know, on their lunch hour or whenever they have the the, the time to listen to our podcast to actually just stop and say, how much time out of my day is really spent, you know, thinking, and or is it just full speed ahead? <laughs> One of my favorite terms, but you know, the, the the other thing is, around this too, is that even with the V 2 t and the training material, we carved out a class around planning, and that sound again like, okay, people should be doing that, but Again, people just were jumping into doing the work, doing things that look like, you know, business analysis, you know, um, activity, but they really weren't planning it out. And that even speaks to: Are you actually thinking through before you're taking right. action? And and it's, it's right. just not as as obvious as it sounds.
3: Right, and that you know that's exactly what it's about. It's about thinking through the approach that you're going to take and what's the best way plan of attack to do this right and just stopping for it, it could be 5 minutes right i mean and i think that's you know part of the misnomer about thinking too is that it takes a long time and it's a waste of time it it, it doesn't have to be either of those things and hopefully in you know the questions that came out about this um that we'll we'll address that in the show
2: absolutely so let me take you to the 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 first question um that was, was submitted after at the end of last this show one was what can you do if your SMEs, the stakeholders are stuck in backwards thinking um all they know is how they've always done things we, we kind of hear that quite a bit so what, what's your thoughts on that
3: so i think you know we've we've talked about this um to some extent but i, I think that's going to be true no matter where you go um you know, there might be organizations that are better than others um, that don't settle for doing things the way they've always done them, just for the sake of doing them. Um, but I think human nature is it, it kind of gets comfortable um, if you know what you're doing every day, right? I, I mean, as as much as people say they love change, it's also nice to um, do things the the same way you've always been doing. I mean, I'm a creature of habit. I have like a a similar morning routine, you know, and when that, um, not that I I can't improvise, but when that gets thrown off, you know, it it does, there's a little bit of uncomfortableness for me. So, so it, it makes sense that people are, you know, liking to do things the the same way. But so the, the first thing is, um, with many changes that you're trying to make is don't try to take the whole thing, right? Um, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time so one thing is to take it you know one one step at a time maybe try to change like people can handle better uh consuming one little change right but not everything right oh yeah yeah we can change that that's fine um but don't change 90 percent of the other stuff and then you know then you chunk out another piece and before you know it you've made significant impacts um the other thing is that you don't have – for a lot of things, you don't have to ask for permission, right? You, um, For example, there was a, a project I was working on that um, – it came up during the project, and I'm like, you know what? It would be really good if I just – or if we just wrote out a bunch of user stories that should be included in this this initiative or this part of the initiative. And the person that I was working with was like, no, 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 we don't do user stories you know, we got to do feature lists and that's how we have to do that. Um, so I was like, OK, that's fine. But what I did is I went back for me because I was like, I it, that was a way that it was going to help me make sure that we've covered all the parts and pieces and we had all the features um, without knowing all the kind of user goals. I was I was feeling uncomfortable that we weren't going to have all the features that we needed included in in this first kind of rollout. So so I went back by myself. I mean, I didn't continue to ask for permission or continue to not do it because someone says we don't do user stories here. I went back and wrote out the user stories and then I converted those. I made sure there was traceability to all the features that we were thinking to all these stories. Um, And so I think that's a way to make change too, right? And then you know, what you can bring up is say, hey, this is what I did to ensure that we uh, had all the features. I wrote out all these user stories and then I traced them to the different features. And then they might go, like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. We should do that all the time. You know, so that's a way of introducing kind of these new concepts.
2: No, no, I, I agree. And you, you know what's interesting uh, about that? Is again a lot of times our questions come from VAs and they're saying that you know the business might be stuck and they're thinking, well, again, I turn it back as being the facilitator, then sometimes you've got to use maybe you're using the same old technique. And what I mean is, like, if you're just inviting them to the same old uh, facilitation session, it looks exactly the way it's always looked then you, you're you going to get them in the mindset, okay, here we go again, and mm, let, let's yeah. just fill out what we've always done. We're just going to brainstorm or something like that. And, you know, we're all about, well, shake it up a little bit. That, you know, have them come in, and as they're walking through the door, you're handing them markers and a sheet of paper and telling them and them to groups. You know, that in itself is just like it's saying we're going to do something different. And, you know, and I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone. You're not going to sit in a chair with your laptop and your phone and be multitasking. You know what I mean? Like just immediately. And, and some of that just comes with the facilitator. Just It comes with planning and being creative, but, you know, just change up how you're, you're you know, change their mindset right from the, the start. That's That's one of the things that also came to mind for me.
3: No, yeah, and that's another thing where you don't have to ask for permission, right? Um, yeah, people are coming to a, a session and thinking anyway they're they're planning on being there, and that's an instance where they're planning on being there anyway. Um, but you have the chance to to change things without people even realize that a change is going on, right?
2: Right, right, exactly. So just kind of stirring the pot and stirring the ideas, and you know, and and that's some of the different thinking types, and that's where you know there's you can do research, you can Google. There's all those different thinking types, um, creative thinking, and. Um, even brainstorming, I think uh, a lot of people just take brainstorming from granted that there's just one way to do it, um, you know, but we talk about different techniques and, and just fun things to, to do, and, and I think that, you know, new ideas, creativity come also from people having fun, and I, I, I think you can attest to that because you talk about incorporating the whole improv into things, mm-hmm. and and a lot of that too, it goes back to get people out of their comfort zone and um it's not just asking permission. It's it's just making that happen. Right. So Yeah, and
3: what's the so, worst that can happen, right? I mean, I think the well, I mean, unless you, you're doing something drastic, but the things we're talking about are not they're not drastic. So even if it fails or it doesn't go over well, um, that's okay. You might you know, think through it and that's the other part of thinking too is thinking about how you can improve, right? Stopping and saying, Well what went well instead of getting completely in the rat race and going, you know, day to day, week to week, project to project and just keep redoing the things you're doing is like stop and think about what worked, what didn't work, why didn't it work, how you can improve. Um and not you know, and try not to be afraid of of failing right, and making a mistake and being like, "Oh, okay, I got it. I know what I did wrong, or asking people for feedback um, and thinking about that feedback and thinking about how you can improve
2: exactly you know it it reminds me of one of the breakthrough thinking is one of the the techniques or styles. Uh, that you can read about, and one of breakthrough, uh, one of the things they do is you do brainstorming, and as soon as they, and we talk about how there's a pause when you're doing brainstorming, and you don't stop just right after the first pause. We you let people kind of reload their ideas, and then mm-hmm. kind of push through and come up with some, some you know, even more creative ideas, not just the stuff that's off the top of their head. And Breakthrough does the same thing, but after you get that first pause, they actually rip up the first ideas and say, okay, those are the throwaway ones. Those were the top of your head. Those were the, those the, the obvious ones, ones right? so to speak. <laughs> now, now give me something that that you know that, that's creative. And so I think that that's kind of interesting. And, and you know, you're supposed to expect the shock look on people's face when you tear up that first list. And said, "Okay, that was just a warm up. Now let's really right. dig a little deeper. You know that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know that that's that's part of the thing. And and I've done things even if you have to take people on a field trip or, you know, just you you gotta you've got to kind of push them out of their comfort zone. I think that has a lot to do with with people. And part of it is giving people permission because they kind of think okay well you know whether it's said or not i've got to stay within this box and the whole thing of creative thinking is they say thinking as if there is no box you know and so there's a big difference between if you 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 have that constantly being told to stay inside the box you actually have to give them permission
3: yeah exactly yeah i think and if you don't mind me jumping to one of the other questions there was one that we talked about is is there a right or wrong way to approach how you're thinking? We all do some of the different thinking styles naturally, give an example when not to use a thinking style in a situation. So as I was thinking through that question, it's kinda to what you're talking about here, um, is that I, I don't know if there's ever a completely wrong but you know, but there's wrongish things and in, in times where different types of thinking can uh, ha- uh hinder kind of what you're trying to accomplish so if you're if you're in a session where you're trying to create ideas you know out of the box or expanding the box or breakthrough ideas that you have um you can't use analytical thinking right where analytical thinking is kind of breaking things down into trunks and figuring out orders and what goes first what goes second and why should we do this over this and um there's a time for the analytical thinking but when you're trying to create ideas and you're pulling apart every single idea and trying to figure out well how is that going to work in our environment and which analytical thinking I think would help with um that's not the time to do analytical thinking right it's the time to allow for creative thinking and Um, you as, you know, people in the BA and PM space are usually the people that are facilitating these sessions and are usually kind of leading these sessions. So you have to set up the environment um, and make it clear. I mean, this is why, you know, people, everybody talks about, well, you got to have an agenda and talk about the objectives of a session and what you're trying to get out of it. But this is a big reason why you need to set those objectives. If you if you don't have that objective set, then it's easy for people to use the incorrect thinking approach for the situation. You know, back to if you're trying to be creative, coming up with those ideas, then um, and people are, you know, lean towards being analytical th- uh, thinkers, uh, one, they might not be the best person to be in that meeting if they can't break out of that mindset. Um, but if if you're not telling them, we don't want you to be analytical here. We don't want you to judge. We want to create new, crazy ideas. There will be a time for that, um, for the analytical piece. But right now, we want to make sure we get the, the wildest, craziest ideas so that we can come up with the best solution.
2: Mm, excellent. Excellent point. Excellent. You, know, in, in, you know, and I'm perfectly fine it, 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 bringing in the question. As it makes uh-huh. sense um and and that one in particular, when I thought about that too um, it is I think you made a good point that there's different points in in the process, and right. you know sometimes I have people for example, when I'm doing the the business requirements and I say the business is talking about what they want and that type of thing, it's kind of like the developers and designers, they're just silent observers because, like you said, you don't want them to jump on trying to, to build the solution and, and sometimes even shutting down some of the, the thought process that's going on at that time. But then when we flip over and we get to functional requirements, that's the conversation, the negotiation, the collaboration, there might have to be some concessions, and at the same time, the designers might be able to go you know off trip and say, "You know what did you think about this and there's also something else we can do at the same time and that's a great time, so like you said there's there's different points and there's there's different phases so you really, and that's what I, I like about there's I like different, different styles of thinking, styles of thinking and, and you should use a combination of them at right. different points in your project. So the more you kind of, and it goes back to our toolkits and having different tools and techniques. So this is just saying you need to have different styles of thinking. And so I I I, I totally agree with you there
4: that right, it might if not you, be a right
2: and wrong. Now, there's one area where I do – tell people that there's a time to kind of shut off (laughs) um, Uh some of the the creative or the critical and I think that's kind of similar Uh to what you said too, is that if you establish in your agenda, okay, like a what-if meeting, of course you're going to use critical thinking. That's a great time. But at some point you got to cut off the the what-if. Identify and organize the ones that you you do have. Not that, that, you know, some will come up along the way, but you could be in the wrong meeting trying to do, you know, play what if, and that could be actually um, a distraction. Yeah,
3: at, at some point you got to stop, right? So, you know, I talk um, about using what if, you know, using that kind of question around coming up with risks, like business risks for an initiative. Um, and you want people to go crazy, right, and think about uh, anything wild hairy things that could happen but at some point you have to stop and then now you have to do some more and that's where i you know i talk about divergent thinking and convergent thinking so divergent thinking is where you're just coming up with a bunch of ideas but convergent is then coming back to okay what are we going to focus on so at some point you have to be creative to come up with all these what if scenarios but then then you have to kind of converge back into, okay, what do we really need to focus on, right? Because do we need – there's not enough time and money to focus on a potential scenario that could happen. Um, so what are we really going to focus on? And I think that's where you start getting into to more of the analytical thinking, um, critical thinking type uh, skills around, okay, what is, what is necessary to focus on? Um, so at that, at you can't just be the creative thinker right um or you can't your team just can't be filled with creative thinkers nothing will get done you'll just have all these ideas that just sit there <laughs> so um you have to have the other the combination to your point it's the combination of these thought processes thinking skills um that that make the world go round
2: yeah Exactly. And, and, you know, one of the things, because when you talk about the right or wrong time to, to use a, a, any particular technique, too, one of the things that come up in my class is that um, sometimes they'll get a project, and, and someone might be the, the type that's the real, you know, kind of a deep thinker, likes to do the deep dives, wants to get down to the, the root cause. And I tell them that that's part of the, the scope. There's some projects that they're just trying to fix what's on the the surface. I always have a a visual of the iceberg where you have the tip of the iceberg, and then, you know, when you do the deep dive, you're you're going deep into the iceberg. And not every project is scoped to be a deep dive. And so you wouldn't have to pull out all of these, you know, techniques where you're really trying to to, to drive. And sometimes the business has consciously – Made a decision that look we're we're just addressing the surface here, and that needs to be a conversation. Because if you try to make everything a deep dive, then it'll get perceived, in my opinion, as analysis paralysis. Because you're going much further than was intended. So I always say, in scoping, is kind of understanding: is this something? Is this kind of a a something we're trying to, to fix or address at a surface level? Or is this more of a project where we're trying to do a transformation? And so when I'm All doing right. a deep dive, I think of the transformation. That means, okay, you know, we're pulling out the the um, the working sessions, and you know, we're going to have the walls with the the papers and the stickies, and we're we're really drilling down. And that's not, that's not only caveat. Um, these aren't meant to be used on. Every problem, you have to understand what 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 is kind of the the scope, the vision. What is the what will bring the most value, and what's the expectation of the sponsor? Is it, what comes to mind.
3: Yeah, and I think the you know what it comes down to, and I think people that are really good in this this space play in is they understand they understand both of those sides, but they they ask the question and validate okay, what is this? You know, so using your terms around, um, is this just kind of the tip of the iceberg thing or are we going for a transformational thing? Or are we just doing a Band-Aid uh, on the, the issue right now or are we really trying, is this a long-term kind of fix, right? Um, so in understanding that, and then, you know, then I would even argue, even if it's if it's the Band-Aid, right, it's the, the little fix there's got to be some creative thinking around okay what is you know what's a good uh lower cost efficient way to take care of this problem um and getting creative about different options um than you know than going with uh just trying to take one you know the first thing that comes to somebody's head about how to solve the issue but knowing how deep to go and you know that that's just that's about people being smart and asking the right questions and and not just uh not just assuming one way or the other that that's the way to go right that like everything is either a band aid or everything is a you know a, a transformational project
2: exactly. exactly exactly yeah so that that's that the scoping asking the questions, really kind of filling out the and setting the expectations and make sure um the The understanding is the same on both sides, not making some right. assumptions, so nope, totally agree well well, then let me take you back a question and okay. um, i actually so there was one that do you have a favorite approach or style of hmm. thinking and, and maybe since we're talking about if we do hone in on our our favorite, when would you use that when's the the, the best scenario for using that? so I'll let you go first.
3: Okay. Um, yeah. When I thought of this, and I mean, this for me, like I, prior to maybe a year, two years ago, three years ago, like I didn't really focus and think that I had like thinking approaches. You know, I'm it really so. So I, I just want everyone to be clear. It's not like I, I woke up and being like, it's always been about thinking. And this has kind of evolved for me. Um, and reading more about thinking approaches and figuring out, oh, yeah, that's that's me, right? I mean I kind of read myself in some of these. So the first one is uh, critical thinking um, is kind of my main one. The other is design thinking. So critical thinking, and I'll explain those, like critical thinking um, – Unfortunately, for those that that wanted it, it's not about being critical of others and uh, criticizing other people. Um, So if that's what you were hoping it was, um, I apologize. But it's critical thinking is about coming up with an approach and really sticking to the facts um, and really understanding. So back to that picture that I was explaining and that quote by uh, um, Abraham Lincoln. Right. It's like not. Uh, it's like digging deeper and being curious and figuring out, okay, what, what is really happening here? What is the real issue? Um, And it's leaving emotion out of it. And I think this is critical because in our, in business today, people get fired up, right? I mean, they see, there's two things that I really think about. They see like a product, um, a software application. They're like, Oh, this, you know, they see all the bells and whistles and get real excited and like, Oh, this is, this is going to take care of all our problems or take care of this specific problem. Um, The other thing is people have, you know, their agenda, right? Especially, you know, managers and and people leading groups have their agenda and their way of approaching things and get real excited and want to push that through. Um, Critical thinkers. And this is where I think good business analysis comes into play is that being a good critical thinker is, Stripping away the emotion and getting to the facts, and and what I mean by that, and a lot of people could probably relate to this. And Jacqueline, you and I talk about house examples all the time, so this is just another one. You know, if you've ever either looked to rent uh, an apartment or a house, or buy a condo or a, a house, you know, like one of the things realtors kind of push is curb appeal for a house. Right. So when you drive up to a house, like you fall, you haven't even seen anything inside yet, and you just like fall in love. Right. And it's like, oh, like, you know, you start to picture yourself in the house and playing in the yard and blah, 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 all this stuff. And then, you know, you walk into the house and you realize, oh, it only has two bedrooms and we need three. We have six kids. We need at least three bedrooms. Um, but you start making, uh, like concessions or excuses or you come up with ways that it could work because you got this like strong emotional tie to this house just because it looks so good from the outside. So I think, you know, a good critical thinker is like, wait, yes, that it looks beautiful, but it doesn't meet these four or five pieces of criteria. So getting back to the facts and I think, you know. Uh, I try to act in those emotions, although I can get emotional about things. I try to, to step back. And especially when it's not my emotions, it's a lot easier when it's not your something, you know, your house that you're looking for. Um, And it's the same thing on your projects. It's not your project. You're typically not in the business doing the work. So it is easy for you to step back and be that critical thinker. Um, And then, so the second pieces like design thinking and that, you know, working with, uh, one of our partners in New Zealand, Red Vespa, and specifically working closely with Blair Loveday, um, who pushes a lot of design thinking thoughts and how to incorporate those into, to business analysis, that's kind of become my other kind of go-to thought process. And and what I love about design thinking, it's a collaborative problem solving approach, um, so so I lean on design thinking because the, the whole point of design thinking, one is that you take the view of the customer lens. Um, and I don't think enough of us in this space or organizations really dig deep to really understand the customer's view of things. Um, and, and I use like a, an accounts payable example all the time. And when I ask people, who's the customer on an accounts payable project, a lot of people say it's the you know, the AP clerks and the people working in the AP department. Um, And if you're in an IT organization that's, you know, within a company, um, typically that's who your customer is, right? They're the business. They're the ones that are uh, asking for, and they're the ones paying your your salary per se. Um, So you view the AP department as your customer, but really the end customer are the vendors, right? Um, So you can do something in an accounts payable project that makes the life of your AP department uh, thrilled, right? It makes their life easier and they're thrilled. And wow, you guys did an awesome job. But in the end, nobody had the view of the vendor. Um, And then it really impacts the relationship with the vendor. Uh, And if it's a negative impact, then those vendors might not want to do business with you. And, you know, companies don't survive without third party organizations working with them. So um, then, so that could be a failure. So that's what design thinking is about. And it's about getting people quickly or not quickly, but getting people in the room together and having these conversations. Um, So I, I believe in that that type approach and and it does include convergent and divergent convergent thinking and and you can look up stuff on the internet for design thinking or shoot me an email and i'd love to talk to you more about it but those those are the two kind of that my go-to thought processes
2: absolutely and i am i'm i'm Studying and learning the whole design thinking, so I'm looking at and embracing and incorporating more of that um on the the other piece that I wanted to just piggyback is I think that oh just give me I am. I mean, you know, you know me how I have to sometimes have to multitask because I'm behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. So, uh, right, yeah, this, uh, <laughs> uh, the audience doesn't necessarily realize that. But I, I did want to piggyback that critical thinking is definitely one of my go-to as well. Um, and and by that, what I mean is uh, a lot of times the business they know how they do it today. Something we talked about earlier, and the critical thinking part of my you know my role in facilitating is sometimes playing double advocate sometimes it's being the detective and investigating cross-checking cross-referencing and so and it's like you said it's not necessarily criticizing or you know trying to tear down it's really just going in and, and it probably is a combination of critical and analytical thinking but it, it's basically is um a lot of times it's not looking at the first thing they say at face value to kind of mm-hmm. start filling it back. And it's as much to help them understand as it is also to help you understand as well. So, um, and, and I think that, that both sides benefit from it. So, um, because, again, when we talk about just doing and moving really fast, You know, we're thinking the first answer I take, let me take that as, you know, gospel, so to speak, and offering, building, and solutioning. And, you know, and and this is why all these kind of different thinking styles work together and blend together, because back to what you said in design thinking, it's perspectives, too. It's it's the truth at that moment for that person, but
4: are they Mm -hmm. considering,
2: you know, something that often gets overlooked? What about during peak times? What about end of the month? What about end of the quarter? What about end of the year? There's different cycles and, and different perspectives to every person's job. I think about the business analyst. If you ask me my role and what I'm responsible for, is different in initiation than it is with go live and implementation. So it's the same for someone else. So you might ask me a question. I, even in being the same person, I might have different to that answer, and that's what the translation between us as human and, you know, our multicolored world, and yet the computer is black and white. So there's a huge translation, and you can't – the, the computer is not going to assume anything. It's going to take exactly what you took, um, and, and it's going to be rigid in that perspective. And that's, I think, the, the, the part of the, the translation. So critical thinking for me is that part, like, could it ever would it ever should we think about you know that that type of thing so critical thinking right. is definitely one of those those go-tos cuz i'm i'm trying to get the subject matter expert or product owner or product manager to be thinking of those different possible scenarios that the computer you know when it when we do the programming the computer has to know how do you want me to handle this you know that type of thing um so that that yeah, was my, my one, which is the same as uh, yours, with the critical thinking. The other right. one, and they call this uh, the, the, the version of this is called dynamic thinking, but specifically is a, a particular technique that um, a lot of people may have heard of, um, or you can could look it up, and it's called the six thinking hats because it's. It's uh-huh. looking at taking a, a particular uh, problem and looking at it. And the hats allow you to look at different perspectives. And you can modify the, the definition of the different hats. There's You'll, you'll see online a lot of different, the, the six different variations of the hat. But I'll even, um, one of the things I often share is I've used it in retrospect when we're talking about, uh, you know, at the end of the particular iteration or sprint. Let's look at all the different aspects. How did it make you feel? What, you know, give me a positive. Give me something that we could do better. Um, Give me something that you learned from the project from a thinking perspective. So I take each one of those and apply that to a retrospect. And it can just, and then I've also used it in an actual live project too, but just to show how versatile it is. But it shows people too. There's different aspects, and that in itself is kind of a team building, but an exercise, too, to show people the different thinking styles. So it kind of serves two purposes, almost kind of a training and awareness type of thing, so that that now they can take the different styles of thinking when we're talking about uh, a problem as a team. So those those are my two, dynamic and critical.
3: Yeah and with the six thinking hats the beauty of that technique or approach or, or way to go about um addressing a topic is that you know I talked earlier about well it's not always good if you're trying to come up with ideas it's not great to to be analytical thinking and judging breaking it down and and what do, how do we handle this and how do we do that what you know that approach allows you to do it it gives everybody the comfort that we're going to get there, right? Um, we're going to do that part of it. But first, what we have to do is come up with and generate all these crazy ideas. So let's all get in that same – let's all put on that same hat at this time and go crazy. But it gives everybody the, – the people that have the – that lean towards the other approaches, it gives them the, the comfort that, okay, my – that side of me is going to come out. I just have to wait until we get to that hat, right? Um, so – yeah, it's a it's a great technique. I'm glad you brought that up.
2: Yeah, exactly. And 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 you know, to your point, one of the reasons why I did the first time I used the six thinking hats was kind of in a lessons learned environment, and they had had a history with their lessons learned to they turn into gripe sessions. And for some people, right. that was a really yeah. for anyone. I'm sure it, it can be. That yeah. was a turn off on yeah. the one
4: Training. hand, All and then secondly, the
2: facilitator. <laughs> Sometimes when you get into gripe session mode, you it's, you can't pull them back or you'll lose right. them. And so the thinking hat really is a, a time boxing method, too, that, right. okay, we're yeah. going to have an opportunity to talk about – and I always purposely make sure that I leave the positive and, um, you know, even have a an opportunity at the end is, you know, compliment someone in the room and we, we go around and everybody has to tell someone else something good they did on the, the project or something like that. But leave it on an up note, but make sure – even though, yeah, we've got to talk about it's almost like we got to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, <laughs> you know, even though we talk about that, let's bring it back to the positive and what can we do, better, what are we going to do and um and and so you kind of get to control and like I said, time box it, so you're you're absolutely right, it gives everybody a chance you know, they'll you know, there'll be an opportunity to use your different thinking styles too. But it also will push maybe some of those people that come in from naturally go negative quick. <laughs>
3: right. Right. <laughs> to, to,
2: pull yeah, but them, it, to pull them it, back them, and pull them uh, uh, out of that. And
3: but they also know that okay, there will be time to get negative, right? Or you mm-hmm. know, what they de- deem negative or to give my critical feedback that I want to give, right? That it's um, and, and that's kind of the beauty of that. It, it gives all everybody to me. It it just seems like it's one of those techniques where everybody feels good. Um, yeah. That yeah. their their style or what they have to say, what they want to get off their chest, um, will there'll be a time for that?
2: Exactly. No, and no, you know, you I, brought, I totally
3: agree. This is total sidebar, but you brought up or you know computers are black and white and but if you if you've read anything about singularity um and that's where you know the belief and there was an article in Time magazine like six seven years ago about uh twenty forty five that computers are gonna take over um so the processing speed and and how computers you know they start improving themselves um right. will eventually take us over, so it'll be kind of like the matrix and uh Oh so we'll see 20, 2045 that's supposed to happen we're we're less than 30 years away. So.
2: Absolutely <laughs> we'll, and I can't wait we'll to we'll see replay that. back here. As I'm
3: sitting we'll in my rocking session. chair. <laughs> we'll play uh, this video back uh, this this session back and see did it really happen or or will we even know that they're taking over so should be interesting.
2: Oh yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, or maybe they'll be doing a blog talk radio show, the computers, and exactly. they'll be running the whole discussion. <laughs>
3: Talking about those humans, they're so, you know, uh, so black and white. They're so black and white, you know. Right. Yeah. We have to help them. They
2: can't even fix themselves. So. <laughs> right.
3: Right.
4: <Okay. laughs> uh.
2: Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so no, but but good good point and, and we will see if that, that day does come. Um in the meantime, the thinking is left up to us to fix, you know, all that's wrong with the world. So let's let's talk about one of the other questions related to this, which is, you know, how much you know, this question, how do you estimate how much time you need to think about or analyze a requirement you know how do you convey to the project manager you need more time to think to think
3: yeah this, this is a real interesting one and i had to think right <laughs> um like how do i answer what is the answer because i never i don't think i ever kind of estimated or i do estimate in that way so i was like well i never really stopped and thought about okay how how do I incorporate the thinking time and how do I incorporate that into my you know my thought process around how long something's gonna take? So I was thinking about how I approach things, and I think um I do think the thinking happens faster the more experience you have with something so um one thing I know from an estimation standpoint, I don't really do it on a large scale like so if I was Uh, Asked to give an estimate on a project, I don't necessarily stop and think, you know, at the the full project, like, okay, how long is it going to take me to not only elicit the information, but, uh, you know, then put it together in some form, and then how long is it going to take me to think? But I do do it based on, like, activities or goals. So if there is – there's a particular topic that – you know, it's determined now that we have to elicit information and come up with, you know, priority on features or something like that. Then I'll, I'll go through and based on um, how many people um, I'm dealing with, what kind of elicitation techniques I'm going to do and think about, okay, what kind of information might I gather? And then how long might it take to decipher all this information? So for example, if the if I have to go out and do one-on-one interviews, um, then there's probably more thinking time needed to analyze and break it down because I'm going to have to bring all this data from maybe three, four people together and determine, okay, what's what's overlap? Where do people agree? Where don't they agree? Where are their conflicts? And then approach you know, trying to attack those conflicts or the overlaps or the disagreements. So um, – so I think I do it in that stage. One of the things that I did think about was that I, I'm thinking all the time. So uh for me it's not a uh and, and I think I brought this up before that I wrote this blog that our job is not a nine to five job, that you should allow your brain to to noodle on things and in subconscious and then when it pops up into the your consciousness to to jot it down and get it down and that might be you know at nine o'clock at night when you're watching t v with the family or you wake up in the middle of the night like I do sometimes and uh have an idea and i I have a notepad in my um in my nightstand and i'll I'll write down a note and then go back to sleep but um so I allow these things to constantly happen, so I allow myself to think all the time, so as soon as I get out of a meeting, I'm thinking right about what to do next, so as i'm I'm multitasking, you know. In you know, use that word lightly here. That walking back to my desk, um, I'm now thinking about what just happened and what my next steps are and what I have to do. So, um, you know, I was kind of. This was a tough one to answer because I don't know if I ever like just stopped and thought about that. The other thing, though, that I I thought about here is the difference between extroverts and introverts. So mm-hmm. I'm. I'm more of an extrovert. Um, So my thinking is happening while I'm talking. What I try to do is plan in sessions where we have working sessions with other people to think through initiatives. right? So so what I do plan for is for me is to always have like these peer conversations after sessions. Or it could be with other people that were in the session. But I like to – if you're gathering information – then I like to have a, a meeting after the meeting to talk through all those things because for mm-hmm. me, that's how I think about stuff and figure out what was missed. So so then for me, it kind of makes it a little easier to – two things there. As an extrovert, it, it makes it easier for me to plan uh, to do that thinking, but also it – you know, to your point, if a manager walked by, it looks like I'm doing something, right? I'm in a meeting, I'm talking to people. Yeah. You know? So so they could be, Oh, okay, coop's working, good. All right. Uh now if you're an introvert, that's not how you think, right? I mean introverts, um, just, you know, by the by the book, their their thought process is they're they don't think by talking. They think by literally being quiet and uh thinking internally I guess you can yeah, use that word. Right, yeah. Right, Intra- right, and they're think- and they're not going to speak until they you know they've kind of formulated what they want to say. Where I'm I haven't formulated what I want to say and I'm j I keep talking until I get the right answer. Um <laughs> or get to an answer. Um so um so for them it it looks worse, right? And Um, I think it's important for people to have discussions with their managers because it's not always apparent who's an introvert or not. Um, And sometimes introverts, if it's not known, could be seen as people that are disengaged, that are just sitting there at their desk doing nothing when they're actually working really hard um, in their thinking. So I think maybe for an extrovert, it's less of an issue, right, Um, because you're going to be having conversations – Um, or maybe you're talking to yourself. I don't know. At least, at least it looks like you're doing something. Where introverts, you know, it could really look like they're totally disengaged and not doing anything when they're actually uh, working very hard. Exactly,
2: and you know, and I, I might be able to help with that because um, even myself, and, and I, I mentioned this to some students and, and the light bulb really went off for them. I was telling them when I'm doing any type of facilitated session or working session, for every, let's say, two hours we're in a working session, I actually block the next 30 minutes after that meeting so that I don't get pushed to back-to-back meetings. And, you yeah. know, what, what it what it kind of comes across is, that I'm organizing and preparing the next steps and the, the next strategy. All valid things that have to, to happen. You know, you're sending out reminders, setting up the next meeting. But at the same time, it lets, it's my time to digest what just happened that previous two hours. And so I get to do some of my quick thinking, and I, and I tell them to do that, that first 30 minutes. Right. Or if it's been a four-hour session, it might be a full hour. But while the thoughts are still fresh in my mind, and it's not just even though some of the things that are going to come out of that 30 minutes or hour might be action items and, and meeting notes, but really I'm also embedding in that it's my time to actually digest, think, comprehend, you know, and and, and strategize. So it, it, it's a combination. That's just me closed up in a room right after that meeting and i and i and so i've had students that that really said that made sense and that they needed to do more of that because what i had found is that if you left your schedule open someone was booking a meeting right up to that so you're running out of that meeting running to the next meeting you're changing your trend of thought you may have lost your trend of thought you know you may not ever get it back and in in my mind i can organize and regroup a lot faster that mm-hmm. immediate af- hour afterwards, then putting it off to the end of the day—it's a nightmare. When you've had five meetings, and at the end of the day, now you're looking at writing meeting notes and reminders, and and you know that that's how things can fall through the through the cracks. So um, I found as much as possible, especially when you're doing like two two-hour meetings, you need to stop, you know, block off your time and make it as make it formal instead of. Thinking being something that right. you just have to to squeeze yep. in. It's an, it's important, and, and we can label that as the, you know, I've got to do some analysis. Because I think the trick is, is that when we talk about licitation, okay, you're going to schedule meetings, you're going to be talking to people. So we know what that looks like. When you talk about documentation, okay, you're at your desk and you're typing and your stuff is printing and stuff. But people don't know what analysis looks like, and so, like you said, it may seem like, well, you're not meeting. And I think sometimes people feel that way. If a BA isn't meeting with someone, what are you
4: doing? (laughs) Right. So
2: it's like you know, being in a room and working through things in my mind too is that analysis piece, that the strategic piece that gets me ready for the next step and how to get the most out of the next step.
3: Yeah. That. That's great advice, and I always talk about for meetings just using Turner time, and I worked at Turner Broadcasting for a while, and on TBS they used to have all their shows started at um, like five minutes on the hour and five minutes on the half hour, so it was like 105 and 135, and and part of the reason they did that was so that if you're watching a show 105 to 135, um, in the other networks, the other show started at you know, 1.30, you're not going to go back to another network, you're just going to keep watching TBS. And I think, you know, people have to schedule meetings like that, whether they block off time, or schedule their meeting, uh, like at 1.15 to 2.15. And most people schedule meetings at, you know, on the hour or half hour. So now you have, you know, at least uh, a chunk of time where you can stop, think, get your thoughts together, what, you know, what what are the next steps out of this meeting, um, uh, rather than back to back meetings. I, I think it's you know, in high school you, you never you know, there's always a break between classes. Why is there never a break between meetings? I, I mean it's really amazing like people forgot that whole concept, um <laughs> you know, as soon as we left school. But um <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, I think to tell it, – it's hard to, to explain, but it is like – especially when you're eliciting information, there's a lot of data, right? There's a lot of stuff, and you got to figure out what it all means, um, and that's doing analysis. So uh, – and I think I think part of the problem that's happened is people got – well, how long is it going to take you to put the information in a deliverable? So how long is it going to take you to write up that process flow? Well, um actually creating that is not the big deal but it's like once you do create it to be able to look at it and see what's right what's wrong what's missing what's you know confusing you know what other questions do you have from that um for whatever reason people don't see that as part of the process but that's how you have to explain it right it's like yes i can put it in this form and that takes me an hour um after the meeting but then i have to look at it and see where there are Conflicts where there are pieces missing. Um, where are the things that I don't understand? Where you know whatever the the things that pop out to you by putting things in these analysis tools or techniques.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I, I think along those lines is you know because I'm in my mind I'm always trying to dissect and get to the root cause and and and, yeah. and part of these shows that we do is part of. Uh, i think trying to do some root cause on the disconnect that we still keep finding, I think, in um, IT around business analysis. And sometimes I think, and, and I talk about this even in class, sometimes it's, it's just that one word that is messing us up. And sometimes I think that subject matter expert is, is <laughs> you know me and, and titles, but subject matter oh, yeah. expert. In some ways, I think that people think that the subject matter expert, whatever comes out of their mouth that first time, we just put that in the document and we've got the solution. They're the experts, aren't they? So they're, they're supposed to have yeah. the answers off the tip of their tongue. But at the same time, that's why I was using the, the analogy about our world is this multicolored world, and I'm trying to fit this ideal and concept and vision and expectation into a very black and white language because it still comes down to, you know, programming until what is that 2045. So pre 2045, um, you know, we still have to machine code and language and translation. And then it's got to be, we've got the programmer and, and in their way too, they're like, well, what do you want me to do? You know, it's like, they, they, they need kind of some black and white instructions on what is, there's this whole translation and, um, I think that um, there's is a um, lot of expectations about this, one, this conversation that we're having with the subject matter experts and, and it coming out, coming out in a perfect, format, perfect that format that can be used can by be those people who are developing and, and coding. So, coding. So I don't know. Do you think I'm way off there? I, I mean, has, has that ever crossed your mind or have you ever kind of thought on that topic? Uh, that topic.
3: Well, no, I mean you're a little crazy there, um, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I think, no, I think you're right. I mean, and to me, this is—it's back to critical thinking, right? Like you can't take. There, there's two pieces that, as you were talking about this, that I started thinking about. One is uh, even before that subject matter expert says anything, do you have you even thought about? Do you have the right subject matter expert? Right? Um, I think too often uh, people are, you know, they, they ask or they're given, like, okay, for this topic, here are the subject matter experts. Have you even validated that they are the best person? Because, you know, oftentimes in business, the best person uh, is not available, right? They're the best in that business area because they're off doing things for the business. Um, you know, so it, like the best sales – if you're working on a sales project, the best salespeople don't have time because they're off-selling. Um, so uh, now you, you're you given someone else that might be a junior person, and they're not as busy, whatever it is. Are they the right person? Do they have all the right information? So so thinking about that and, and validating you have the right person. But then to your point, when they do say something, how do you know it's, it's complete – it, that it's not that it's not accurate um but yeah. that it's complete right that it's all the parts and pieces um and that's where like good questioning comes in and being curious and digging deeper and looking for facts you know cuz people will say stuff you know anecdotally that that are going on but do you ever go back and say you know use multiple elicitation techniques to validate what somebody said in an interview is actually reality um And you look at data to find that, oh, yeah, what the salesperson said about the things that we sell most often is true, right? Because people, you know, like in the sales space, they might be, oh, well, we sell primarily, you know, 90% of our sales are to this type of customer. Well, to me, it's important for you to really get the the data behind the scenes to make sure that's happening because that person knows a slice of the information they might not know everything right um, so working with them to say hey let's let's go back into the database and look at you know get a list of all the clients and and put them into chunks and see see what it looks like right rather than just getting anecdotal evidence exactly
2: and 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 then it goes back to, and even with your analogy it's all relative because it's like, okay, well, during certain seasons, you might sell one thing Mm. versus another around Christmas time, Um, you know, and then it might be, and you you might have that subject matter, expert, but let's say they only work the morning shift and the type of customers you get in the morning might be totally different different than the type of customers you get Mm -hmm. in the evening, you know, so, and I think that's what, um, Really, we we miss sometimes, and um, we even found this in Agile, speaking of, 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 you know, different approaches. Agile, you know, the whole concept is that you introduce the product owner or business owner or subject matter expert. You know, people use different terms, but they're right on the team, and you're talking to that person. And I remember early on, it was, like you said, it was one representative of the business my very first project, this lady had like 30 years of plane processing experience. She was the guru. She, 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 but at the same time, there were some limitations of getting that one person's perspective. So a new person that came mm-hmm. on the team didn't have 30 years of working in this, this area. So their knowledge and what they needed, you know, on the screen, the different helps and aids and that type of thing, things she could you in her head. Right. A new person couldn't. So, yes, she was the expert. In another example, that we found out that there was a certain exception type of claim that always went to a specialized person. And then when we got down to it and went to design it, she was saying she hadn't done one of those claims in 25 years.
4: So she, and
2: so again, so it's like, well, let's bring in the person that still that's doing that on a day-to-day basis. And have her, you know, speak to it. So we had to – we could use her for a lot of things, but it's just a lot to say that one person has all the answers and that you don't have to kind of test and, and you know, pull out some of the different um, contexts and perspectives and, and that type of thing, and then it might require an additional person. So I, I think even in Agile, you can't say that it's just one person and that's just carrying over that that thought process that this subject matter expert has all the answers on the tip of their tongue and and, and i think that's also um, you know, I always call it the single point of failure, too, that right. you're relying that much on one person and there's no cross-checking or, like you said, verifying, seeing what the data says. I, I often joke and say, the data doesn't lie. You know, exactly. I had people say, well, this always happens, and then I pull right. data, and I was like, well, looks like
4: Not <laughs> always. Right. It's right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, and I think so, that's, you know, uh in stakeholder engagement, um, I talk about about agile teams and people are like, oh, well, you know, we're dealing with the product owner and you know, it's one person, it's a lot easier. But to your point, what what gets missed um, is the multiple perspectives. Um, so again, it, it's not that you have to be and you on the team have to be that person getting the multiple perspectives, but you better ensure that the product owner if they're the people representing the business or whoever that is if it's one two people that they are how are they getting the different perspectives right cuz you know and this goes back to design thinking really getting into the customers uh heads and into their environment they talk a lot about doing ethnographic research so it's really you know like being a um anthropologist and really getting in and seeing uh the how people are acting in their environment and so it's taking personas sometimes to the next level. So and this is a you had this perfect example, right? Around that um there's a claims like there's claim specialists, right? Um but are there different levels of claim specialists, right? So there's the people that have been there for thirty years doing it, you know, since they, they got out of high school or college, and then you have the newbies that just started and then you have the people that have been there five to ten years and whatever those kind of chunks are it's not just a generic specialist right there are so many layers within that um that you have to ensure that those are are coming through and you know so this person might be the only one that's been there for 30 years um and most of the people are new right because you know some of the you know, organizations are dealing with employee turnover now, right? Because people are retiring and so they're hiring younger, or there's, you know, layoffs and that kind of thing. So this person might be one of the only 30 year, 30 year veterans of the organization where everybody else is less than five. Um, so again, you don't have to do that, but you have to think through how am I going to ensure, how am I going to validate that we are getting all the right perspectives?
2: Exactly. And, and, you know, you made me um, think, too, is that, um, you know, we we talk about this subject matter expert, this role, and it's often associated with a person. And and I can remember one scenario where we had to make sure, because we were finding out as we went along, that that subject matter expert really wasn't talking to the rest of the team Whereas we needed to reiterate, you need to um, actually elicit from your whole team to make sure you're representing, you're the voice of the subject matter expert. Um, And so, and and it was also a two-way street because we needed her to go back and make sure that they had buy-in too. So that's something else I've seen is that person come and represent their perspective and only their perspective. And you don't want to build a solution. And then when you're ready to reveal it to the rest of the team, then you're getting the well, what about this? And what about that? And we even had to, it was different um different, you know, it was the, the product and the the whole stakeholders were in different countries. So we ended up having different representatives from each of those countries, and we had to keep telling them, now you're representative. you've got to, now what you've heard or seen, you've got to take it back, you've got to talk about it and build consensus and come back and represent the whole team, not just what you might think or not, you know, think and, and that type of thing. And so maybe... The the me the definition of me um, it, it shouldn't be just a person, but that person is more a representative, uh, you know, of a, a team. And maybe some people are doing doing that and doing it well, may, but maybe we also need to talk about that a little bit more too.
3: Yeah, and I think you know, you made me think that maybe we need, uh, you know, our subject matter experts have to be like a republic, and they have to be voted in by their represent you know who they're representing. Yeah. Um yeah. and then if you know the system gets released and it doesn't meet their needs, they can vote out their representative and uh yeah. um <laughs> a new sme gets you know elected uh to the project team. So we should start yeah, that movement. Yeah. They and could it be overthrown. Yeah. They could be,
2: you know, some hostile takeovers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, I can, I can. yeah. You
3: know, you can be impeached and, uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> you know, we
3: start an election process and, you know, that would be awesome. Yeah. Oh my right? God. I mean, we're we're having so much fun here in the U.S. Why why just allow it to happen for the president? Why don't we?
2: Right, exactly. Every, every yeah, project team
3: you know, needs the to have elections. So
2: well. let oh, in our
3: jobs. <laughs> it's great, right? Yeah, I mean, super PACs could be, you know, formed and think about the money that could be generated. So, yeah, this
2: is great. <laughs> oh my gosh, but uh, but no, I mean, but there 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 is some you know, there is some logic to what you're saying. That you know, absolutely, but it's that, being thought it's that of
4: same as representative. Right.
2: Yeah, right. I do. Mm-hmm. I do like that. I do like that. Yeah, well, you know, uh, and let me say this. Oh, go but, ahead.
3: Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So
2: I was just going to say hi to our audience, too. We, we've we been having this conversation for a minute here. It's just like, you know, any other time where we just get on the phone and just start trying to exactly. dissect things. But we actually have people eavesdropping on us. So I wanted to say hello um, to the people out there and our different area codes who are listening to us. Um, Javon, who is tweeting. And this is you, the voices you hear, Coop, training. Um, and Coop is also a Speaker: and do you have any upcoming events Coop, that you want to talk about?
3: Oh, man, I actually have a lot. Like May is going to be. I've had un un uh this year so far, I haven't traveled as much as I normally do in the beginning of the year, but May, the end of April and May, um it's coming back to haunt me. So, um <laughs> I am I'm um, next week I'm going to Toronto and there's it's actually an administrative professionals conference that I'm speaking at and talking about my improv stuff and a couple other things. And I also do a a workshop using, um, the disc, um, like I'm a disc facilitator. So, you know, that's why Lee put that out. It's one of those personality, um, type assessments. So we're going to do a disc assessment with them and figure out how do you collaborate better based knowing your kind of style and, Other people's styles, how do you collaborate with them better? So I'm doing that next week. And then um, I have a couple, a bunch of webinars. One that I'm doing multiple times. It seems like this month is Ask the Right Questions. So i got that coming up. Um, I'm going back to Toronto. There's a BA World PM Summit Conference there. Uh, I'm going to Wisconsin for WEBAD, talking about decision-making and improv there um going to des moines talking about design thinking uh where else am i going oh i'm doing a stakeholder engagement workshop in winnipeg also that week so yeah i got a lot of a lot of things happening going to milwaukee so maybe hang out with some of my friends at at miller cores um so all all good stuff a lot of stuff happening
2: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, things that sound like they're they're really uh, heating up. And how do, maybe there's some listeners out there who want you to come speak at an event, a conference. How do they get in contact with you? What's the best way?
3: Well, you can send me an email at coop, K-U-P-E at b2ttraining.com or you can send a note to info at b 2 com, and then either myself or one of my team members will pick that up and get you the information you need. You could also call me four zero four nine three nine five eight seven three. 5873 I think those are the best ways. Or if you're you know out there on Twitter, you know I'm at Coop, you can send me a direct message that way as well. So plenty, plenty of ways to get in touch with me.
2: Absolutely, absolutely and um, as many of you know too, this show is sponsored by B2T Training. So visit the new website, the new logo, new look. Absolutely. B2TTraining.com. So that's B, the number two, then T, and then Training. So there's two T's right there. So B2TTraining.com. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, again, this is our um, a, a, a early episode, and what Coop and I have been talking about is doing more thinking than actually doing. And and some of it, again, was that, you know, you find a business analyst, you know, everyone's looking for you to schedule meetings, to facilitate meetings, and then to, to document. And we, we still have that – still have to kind of um, – make sure that we are framing out time to do both the analysis, and within the analysis comes not just analytical thinking, but all different types of thinking, whatever the situation calls for, and also planning how you're going to approach other aspects. Whatever information you get, that's information that you're making a decision on what to do next, how to uh, approach it next, how to get what you need from our subject matter experts, which took us to the discussion of subject matter experts and it, should their role be uh, defined a little bit more and, you know, and, and I've had, in uh, I'll you know, to, to segue back into our conversation, I've had conversations where we set some ground rules for this meeting during the SME during the scoping piece. I don't know if you have ever done that.
3: Well, go, why don't you share what you got and then I'll see if I've done anything
2: well, different. A- absolutely. And some of it was what we were, were talking about, which was on the the one part, is setting up, were they representatives? Do we need multiple representatives? And then what their roles and responsibilities are. And, I, and I've said this, and, and I've seen students kind of um, they resonate with students in class before. And sometimes people just are casually told, you're going to be the SME on this project. You know, a BA is going to be contacting you. And there's really not a lot set up as far as expectations and even the amount of time that it takes to be a SME. And so mm-hmm. now I'm looking at them to be my go-to person, to have the answers. I'm going to ask them a lot of questions. And and what is one of the things we often hear? Why do you have so many questions? And well, right. it just goes back to they have no idea what they've been signed up for. So that's part of what I, I, I'm talking about as well.
3: Yeah, and, I, you know, one of the things that – well, one thing that I think is critical that, you know, as a leader on your team or you, – just a per, uh, a member of the team, you need to validate that roles and responsibilities are clear, right? That people kind of understand why they're on the team, what they're there for, uh, what they're going to be needed for, how much commitment you need, and, and allow them to, you know, put up the red flag like, oh, you know, I'm not going to have time for that, right? Because I, I think too often uh, business side and the BA could get into – conflict where they need more time um and but the subject matter expert didn't realize they thought it was going to be one meeting right so they asked all these questions and now you want another meeting didn't i tell you everything that i knew um but they don't understand that this is an iterative process and that there's going to be conversations and then new information is going to come out and by that analysis that you do might you know you might have additional questions or there's going to be conflicts or differences or gaps, and you have to fill those. So um, so understanding that process. So I always think – and it's not just for the subject matter expert. It's with everybody that you set expectations. I, and I think sometimes with teams um, – and this can even go to coaching for subject matter experts um, – and having conversations with subject matter experts, especially ones that you work with over and over, is helping them understand what information you're looking for. And then what you start to see um, over before you even ask questions for the next project, they're coming to the table with a lot of that information. Because um, So they're learning over time what information you're looking for, and then they're coming to the table with that information. So it actually helps Improve. Like some people might be like, "Oh, that's kind of taking me out of a job." I, I view it as there's more uh, there's more projects that companies have than they have people or time. So um, the more efficient you can get, and the better, the more analysis skills your subject matter expert has, the the more they'll come to the table with and be able to to move things along a lot faster um, so that you can work on other things, more important things um, for the organization. So, so my thing is like whatever coaching you can give to the subject matter experts is, is ideal.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And like you said, it's it's a win-win and it makes them feel more comfortable too. People want to be successful in whatever they're doing and, um, and like you said, you may do this process over and over so you kind of know that there's kind of a beginning, you know, middle, right. and end. And they're looking at this like, when is this going to end? And so it, it, as much as you can kind of lay out set the expectations and um, yeah, be be supportive to them as well. Because very, very often people you know, find that they still have their day job, um, and sometimes their day work isn't actually offloaded or augmented. To the point that you might need them right. and and that needs to either it's a, it's a red flag or either it's something that you guys can work through, but um you know that, that that's important, especially when you're so relying on them uh, for so much information and it goes back to something else is that you know yes they're subject matter experts and that the you know in today's terminology, but they may not know this off the top of their head that's putting them on the spot so. And I don't think everybody always recognizes in a lot of the time that they might have to do some research to get more robust answers to you than what's right. off, you know off the cuff, so to speak,
3: yeah, and you know you talked about them not knowing the process and you know it because you you do it all the time they don't it's kind of like you know when you're driving someplace new it it feels like feels like forever to get there, um uh, but then coming home it feels really fast and and part of that is because you're not sure like okay how much more do we have to go and you're always thinking like oh and you're looking at different things and looking at landmarks but then then once you know the route it's like oh that took us two seconds it felt like it took you know an hour to get here um when in the in the end it took the same amount of time to get there um but it's just you not knowing the the steps along the way yet Exactly, no, totally, totally.
2: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I am I'm watching our clock, and I I really enjoyed today's topic. Um, And, you know, something, you know, I always, things like different things that I, I, I pick up, uh, you talked about that personality. Um, I, I don't know if it's a test. That might be one of our future conversations. I'd like to, to dive into that a little bit uh, more. That's the area that we haven't dived into. So I'm going to put a... a uh, placeholder. Um, you always talk about how you have your whiteboard. That's the topic that I'd like to follow up on. So that that's on my wish list here. But um, well, I, I really enjoyed today's topic. What was that? I topic. Didn't
3: hear the topic? What was the topic that? I didn't oh, catch uh, that?
2: around the um, and for whatever reason, it was the personality um, presentation oh, that you oh, said oh, that she disk. Disk. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was.
3: Okay. Right. Yeah. No, I'd love to talk okay. about that. Yeah, and how it. You know, it, it applies to everybody, um, but we can maybe take a spin on how it applies to uh, people in the PM, BA space, people are on software projects or entrepreneurs, and you know all the types of people that we we uh, that listen to our show. It would be it would be awesome. And I think what it comes down to is being better collaborators, right? Um, and how you work with mm. the team. We. We don't work uh, in silos, right? It's just not – even though I'm sure some days people are like, I just need to be alone. Um, But for (laughs) most of the part, most of the time, it's like we are on teams and uh, everybody does not have the same personality. And it's actually great that we don't all have the same personality, right? Um, It's just like if we had all creative thinkers – no, we'd never get anything done, uh, right? We'd always just be coming up with great ideas, but nobody would ever um, <laughs> do the work. So so it's good that you have different personalities. So it's not a bad thing. There's not a bad approach. Uh, one is not better than the other, um, but we just have to figure out how to work with each other. Um, and and under, by understanding how each of us think and approach things, then we can better – Work with those people.
2: Exactly. And bring out the best of those different personalities. Right. Types. Yeah,
3: yeah, right. And so don't that, put them in kind of stress mode. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we just talked our way into our, our next topic. But as You're we right, wrap huh? up for today, let me <laughs> <laughs> let me give one shameless plug that I actually will be teaching an Atlanta public class in Agile um, in June. So please visit B2T's training website. Uh, to, to find out the, the dates and see if that's conducive to your schedule. And um, want to get and, and meet a lot of those people that might be listening on the show. And um, so, so please do um, look that up on the B2T training website. Um, and, you know, Technology Expresso, again, send us your questions, technologyexpresso at gmail.com tweet with us, technology or tech expresso24 so you can tweet with me at requirements requirementspro um, and again, coop is at k-u-p-e and then there's also at b2t training uh, out there on Twitter. So talk to us. As a matter of fact, um, we've got a survey out there to ask what type of thinking style do you have? What type of thinking techniques do you use? So, and that is a uh, survey promoted by B2T training. So if you do a search and um, follow the B2T training under Twitter and uh, look for that survey, we want to see who was listening today, uh, which one you lean toward. Also, please share with your coworkers, your boss, your project managers um, today's show. Let it be a conversation starter in your environment so that you can continue to improve your processes, your approaches, and had project success. So, I think that's all we have for them today. Any final words of wisdom or parting words from you, Coop?
3: No, I think I think I'm all tapped out today, Jacqueline. That 90 <laughs> minutes of just brain dump. Uh, I I got to go back and think of some more things to say now.
4: <laughs> no, it was awesome. I mean,
3: I yeah, I, you know. I love doing this and don't mind doing it uh, in back-to-back weeks either. Jacqueline and I are actually thinking about how to make a a career out of this. You know, be the next uh, Rush Limbaugh or you know whoever else talks on the radio.
2: Exactly. So any investors listening, send us some money and we'll
4: we'll talk (laughs) all day
2: long. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, maybe we'll go on Shark Tank. Yeah. Exactly, of exactly. We'll work on that offline, okay? All right. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. If you were listening on the line, remember, you can always press 1 and, and ask a question online. But if you're shy, send us an email. Um, this is how we come up with our questions. And we want to answer your questions. And we want to hear. You might not agree with us. We want to hear what you have to say always open to different perspectives. So hope to hear from you. A special thank you to Javon Grant, who's always there and supporting us, Um, and also want to give a shout-out to Anisha Mohammed, um, who creates the transcripts for the show. If you ever want to read the the transcript, if you don't want to sit through uh, and hear our voices, you can always read through the transcript and grab different sound bites and share them uh, around the office. And they're both on B2T Training's website, and you can also find it through our WordPress through technologyexpresso.com. So if you have any other questions, email me, technologyexpresso at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of the week.
0: This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. BTT Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. Did you know that Coop is the president of BDT Training? If you like what you heard today, join us for one of our upcoming public classes to learn the business analysis tips, techniques, and best practices that he's talking about. We have several classes coming soon to Atlanta. Our Essential Skills for Business Analysis class will be offered May 16th to the 19th in Atlanta, which will be taught by Jacqueline, by the way as well as July 25th through the 28th in Chicago. Essential Skills is our most popular and highest rated course. It's appropriate for beginners or experienced analysts needing to refresh or hone their skills. We also have a session of our Agile Value Management course scheduled for June 7th through June 9th. Jacqueline will also be teaching this class here in Atlanta. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. After each of our classes, we also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency. In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about these public class offerings and others, or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866 675 Two one two five. Follow us on social media and visit bdttraining.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We
1: get it. We'll help you get it too. You have been listening to Technology Espresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.technologyespresso.com. Join our text club. And get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase "full steam ahead" to 41411. Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn leverage launch you have a passion for your business
0: liberty mutual insurance has a passion for protecting it talk to your independent agent or broker today or visit libertymutualgroup.com/business protect your passion